Yes, yes, yes. I'm really excited to bring you this episode with Nell Rojas. Nell is a professional runner and endurance coach. She made a brief stop in OCR there, but ultimately put her focus toward the U.S. Olympic trials uh, for a good reason, because she went there and finished an amazing ninth place. Uh, so during the episode, we dive into that uh, quite a bit and how she made that transition into an elite marathoner. We also talk about how to develop a mindset and how to beat that imposter syndrome. Uh, she's very focused on her strength training. So we talk about that and how she uses plyometrics during her strength training routine and gives some really cool tips and takeaways and also how to evaluate your performance and to determine what you can do to take your results to that next level. So that was awesome. Really enjoyed the conversation. We did the report round for the first 10 minutes or so, and then really kind of get into the good quality content. I think you'll enjoy it very much. So let's get into it. Here we go. Nell Rojas. Okay, we are on. Nell Rojas, hello. Hi. What's going on? How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. It's hot out there, but so far so good. For sure. Yeah, I'm totally excited to dive in and really talk about some of your training, kind of like where you are currently, talk about your story a little bit, and then um, just dive in and do the goods. But we do a couple questions to get things rolling, call it the rapport round. So are you ready for some like random questions? I'm ready. All right, cool. Let's do it. So what is your favorite movie? Oh, I'm ready for that. Never ready for that. That's question. like the one you should have that. It's like ready. You should, there should be at least two that you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, I don't like rewatch. I don't like to rewatch movies. And like, I'm not like the biggest like um, movie buff or like, I don't really watch um, like TV or series or it's Netflix now or anything. Um, so like, when people ask me that question, like my first instinct is like to talk about, to say like movies that were my favorite movies, like 25 years ago. Cause that's when yeah, I was like, <laughs> so I would say like love and basketball and Greece. Um, where are, yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. Love and basketball is classic. I need to go back and, and watch that one again. Cause yeah, I think I was in like middle school when that came out and that was like a thing mm-hmm. that everyone would do. It would just be like, some some like a group of girls would go hang out with a group of guys and they'd watch love and basketball and then just like <laughs> sit in different corners and then and then go home <laughs> yeah, um exactly. i'll accept it that's good see so you do have answers you have that ready so maybe nothing new but no one's gonna deny love and basketball oh it's a great movie it's a spike lee movie i mean it has omar epps in it it's got a good it's got a good uh you know romance it's got some basketball in it so yeah <laughs> It's good. That's a good answer. We'll we'll accept it. Um, cool. So this kind of is pertaining back to when you were younger as well. So what is something that you thought was cool when you were younger, but now looking back, it it's probably not that cool. <laughs> um, wow. Oh, like everything, but probably. I mean, I used to through high school. Probably my main outfit was like wife beaters and like basketball shorts down to my knees <laughs> so that's probably that's not, not that cool is that not cool <laughs> probably not that cool i don't know um yeah fashion choices in high school fashion cho- did you play basketball was that like yeah the- yeah yeah i played so a lot I- of basketball so ball, ball was life on, and ball on the movie life, screen yeah. and on the fashion part yeah ball Everywhere. was life everywhere <laughs> yeah which is still cool but like the fashion back then might not be as cool 
Okay. Yeah, I don't think people would um, appreciate a wife beater with with basketball shorts quite as much if I walked around in them now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and probably probably better not to test it out. Um, yeah. Cool. So, what what is an investment that you've made um, that has made a big impact in your life? This could be like money, it could be time, it could be energy. Like, what's an investment that you can think of that has been like turned out really positive? Um, I'd say getting a dog. Um, mm. I recently got a dog. Well, my dog is turning one pretty soon here. And, um, I mean, that's like a financial and time investment, um, that took me about six or seven months to be happy about and sure about, um, just cause it was, so hard and especially because it was like the trials were coming up and I had this puppy and so like I like I'm finally like in the time where I'm like oh this is like I'm like really happy I have this dog and like I'm like confident that like it was the right decision and like I've reaped a lot of like reward from it and like you know now you know, instead of being like, oh my God, what have I done? You know, my friends are having like kids and stuff, but like, I'm still working on like dogs. So, um, so yeah, I say, I say, you know, that question most recently it's a dog. <laughs> it's a good one. What it, what led you to get the puppy? Was it like, cause it sounded like after you had it, it was like, oh man, like the time that I need to focus on my goals and the time it's going to take to have this puppy, like, some things might not get the full attention. Was that kind of it or what made it like weird up front? Oh yeah. Just like the lack of sleep. Um, Uh, I was getting, and you know, I looking back, I'm like, Oh, I probably could have like put her in a crate in a different room. But like, I, that's just like, I don't think I would ever do that. That's just like not my style at all. So um, just like, yeah, lack of sleep leading up to the trials. And like, I probably missed a couple workouts because of her, you know, like, oh, I have to go home and get her. Oh, like she pooped on the carpet. So now I miss my chance or, you know, just like in this like energy, like when you're like training for like big races or marathons or whatever, you only have so much energy and, um, so yeah, a lot of things. Cause you're tired a lot. And like a dog also needs to exercise and like, you're already wiped yeah. out and then you got to deal with exactly. this dog who's, who's looking yeah. at you like, Hey, what can, can you help down here? Right. Um, <laughs> right. Like I'm ready to play. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, like, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm going too bad. Yeah. We, yeah, um, we, we actually just got a puppy, uh, at the beginning of, or mid March, like as soon as like oh, awesome. the pandemic really yeah. started. So yeah. that was yeah. actually a good time because <laughs> all the time was spent here. Yeah. <clears throat> Everyone was doing that. And I was like, Oh, that would have been perfect. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been, that would've, it wasn't planned that way, but it worked out so well just to have something oh, else to divert awesome. our attention and a little bit of joy in our life. Um, so yeah, we yeah. had opposite ends. There's gotta be a happy medium in there somewhere though. Yeah. Um, so last one, what are some bad recommendations you hear for like young and aspiring runners or triathletes? Um, oh man. I mean, it depends how young, like, I mean, I, I coach a lot of high school kids. I coach a lot of middle school kids and running and I mean, it's just like, 
like a lot of kids have, especially in Boulder, like they're highly motivated kids and they want to be good, but you know, coaches tell them to go out and run. Like some of them are running 10 Ks. Some of them are running half marathons and really, you know, they're being advised to run six, seven days a week. And Mm. there's nothing that I could advise more than for a kid, you know, who's a not full grown B um, just like can't handle the mileage or running volume. Like, depending on the age, like I'd say run three days a week, cross train, do other things, you know, play sports. Um, so I'd say bad advice is just run a lot for kids. That's, that, that's a good thing to bring up. And I think, you know, people listen to this podcast are going to mostly obstacle course racers. And there is that whole kids element to that as well. And, and like, there's a competitive part. There's like a kids mm-hmm. world championship. I think anyway, there was last year mm-hmm. and, a lot of times, a lot of runners or a lot of the participants in these OCR athlete uh, events, they might not have been runners coming up. So they don't, they might not know the right. physical toll on a, a kid that way. Right. So they're probably mm-hmm. just like, what they're doing is running more. So they probably would just put that on the kid as well. So that is, that's really good advice. So, and I was, um, I'm talking to uh, Mark Batris, who was on the show previously, he, he also coaches some middle schoolers, and he's like, we barely do any miles at all. Yeah. We just kind of like mm-hmm. do drills and just like kind of do some sprints and then just have a little bit of fun, and then, and then on their way. Absolutely. Hmm. The kids should always like want more, basically. They should like leave practice being like, oh, but it wasn't hard enough, you know, or like they should leave practice – you know, being able to do a lot more than they did do, you know, because Mm. mentally and physically the most of the times the kids that you see that are rock stars when they're in middle school are not successful when they're in college or even post-college, like they barely make it there. So it's like, they just have to have fun and, you know, not destroy their bodies. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. And you, and you brought up like the mental part too, like physically. Yeah. Like they will wear down just as anybody would, but I can't imagine like trying to be that gung ho about training for a race competition for your entire life. That just doesn't seem like fun at all. Yeah. I think you do. You get a little burnt out on it when you're a kid or you, you feel pressure. Like once you're like really good as a young athlete or you have good performances, like you're going to be under pressure. If it's not from everyone else, you think it's from everyone else, but it's really from yourself, you know, wherever it's coming from, you're going to have that pressure on you to perform well. And that is not easy. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And in a sport that is just, it's, there's no one else around. It is just you. So you can really kind of eat at yourself. And with that, with that kind of pressure, I could imagine as a young kid would not be that fun. Right. Um, So so good (laughs) advice. So good advice. Um, Awesome. So those are the random questions. So now let's just kind of get into a little bit. Tell uh, the listeners a little bit more about who you are as an athlete and as a coach. Okay. Um, So yeah, I grew up as a, you know, multi-sport um, athlete. I played basketball. I was really passionate about basketball. I wanted to go into WNBA. So that was like my main focus um, up until I'd say mid high school when I started really sucking. Um, and then I played soccer. Um, and then obviously I ran. So I ran in college. I walked on to the University of Northern Arizona, which is 
um, one of the best running schools in the nation. Um, and I got really lucky and, um, you know, walked on there and then, you know, cause I was good in high school, but I wasn't the best. I wasn't like, if you compare my times to like the California kids, like they were mediocre. Um, so I ended up getting, you know, more money each year. And by the end of my college career, I was on full ride scholarship. Um, so it, it ended up being a really perfect fit for me where I had opportunity, even though I was a walk on and I, it just was like a good level for me. Um, so into NAU competed in track and field and cross country, um, graduated in 2010, became a professional triathlete for maybe three or four years or five. I don't know. Um, that was a little hazy in my life because you're just like so tired all the time. Um, and then after being a triathlete, I, you know, I quit and decided I had to focus on my career because I wasn't, you know, making enough money to support myself. And so I wanted to be in, um, uh, independent. And so I just started kind of training for local races, fun races for myself and continuing to build my coaching business, which um, my dad's a coach. So I, I, I started coaching um, right out of high school. My dad would make me coach for him or assistant coach for him. And then it kind of just went from there. And then that leads me to now where in 2000, I think, 18, I jumped into a couple bigger races. Um, I jumped into a marathon, finished really well, finished seventh at nationals, uh, USA marathon national championships. And from there it kind of like was history. I kind of like just kept on winning some big races. And, um, now I'm, I'm like lucky that I can call running like one of my main focuses and kind of career paths. Very cool. And it topped off with uh, Olympic trials. There was a, a grandma's win, right? So just your, your times what from our, what, 228 in the full, right? Mm -hmm. And then you finished ninth just at the Olympic trials this, this past February, correct? Yep. Which might be the last race that ever happens. <laughs> that might be the, I know. the last thing. So I know. nice work on that. Was, <laughs> yeah. But it was really like, we, like, we were all like, oh my God, thank God that happened. Like it was the last thing that happened before quarantine because <laughs> it, it's the same weekend as the jacksonville race was in, or no the weekend after the jacksonville race for for obstacle mm -hmm. course racing and because mm -hmm. i was still in i still happened to be in florida i just like hung out there and i knew this like there was this um this coronavirus thing that was happening or right. hearing about it but looking right. back i was like oh my god i can't believe they had the trials like whole like it seems crazy oh, that we yeah. had our race, you know, that I was not at home at that point. That, that was, that's absurd. Right. <laughs> I know. Um, and so, yeah, like, and the Olympic trials is fun because it's like a, a, a way for fans and everything that kind of uh, supports some of our, our homegrown athletes. And I actually had this, I got looped into like this pool. It was more or less like a, a, a fantasy marathon trials thing. Oh, yeah. So it was kind of like cross country yeah. style. You had a, you had a certain amount of money. Each athlete costs a certain amount of dollars 
And then at the end, your you finished your your team score was like cross country style top five men's women's total thing whatever it was oh, great, yeah. and That's fun. <laughs> yeah, and so like I I bid on you took took you on my team I was like okay she's done oh, some obstacle course races so she's 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 my girl here and you did great finishing that that was a huge finish for me and um, oh, I could only imagine like how that felt building up to that and then and then. Um, now I, I'm curious because of, of how everything has gone down and after such a big buildup and a couple months removed from the, that big race, like how have things been? Are you, have you been able to kind of continue to work, work hard and think about racing or like, what was that feeling like a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks after the trials of like what you had accomplished and, and like, what does that mean for the future for you? Like, how are you feeling about it, about it all? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So, I mean, even just running, like, so during the trials, there was like 12 or 13 girls that basically ran, you know, 20 miles together. And then at 20 is where the moves were made, which is pretty typical. Um, But, you know, I um, kind of faded at 20 and couldn't hold on to, you know, the girls and made some new, some fueling mistakes, which I learned a lot from. So initially when I, when I finished the race, I was like, you know, ecstatic, like top 10 in the U S like that's, that's a pretty big accomplishment. And, you know, I beat some really big names that are like, you know, people that I look up to and people like famous runners, you know? And um, so initially I was really happy. And then, you know, as I like, as the days kind of went on, I, w- I and I kind of like analyzed my race more. I was less and less happy because I had just like realized my mistakes and like realized like that I think I could have been up there had I had done a couple things differently. Um, whereas I entered the race just just almost like happy to be there, you know. Um, mm. And so, and it's weird being in a, you know, a top 10 position as a, you know, as a runner in the U.S. because you're like, okay, what does that mean if I was a, any other type of athlete? Like, I would probably not have to work, you know? Like, You'd be making I'd mass contracts. Have, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I'd, there'd probably be people calling me, right? So, right. and you'd think, you know, as a runner, you're like, okay, like, I know I could get, I know I could get some sponsorships. Um, are they like knocking down my door? No, they're not. Um, I could probably get 30 grand a year from different companies because that's kind of what the girls are getting that are around my level. Um, and so you're, I'm kind of in this spot right now, but you know, all the companies have, they're not taking any more athletes on because of COVID, right? So I'm kind of in this position where I'm like, okay, um, you know, I, I do believe that I have a long future in this. I believe I can get faster. Um, you just kind of have to be patient and wait for next year and for more races. And, you know, I'm okay with that because I love, I coach as well and I love what I do and I'm still running, I'm still training. So I'm fine. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> it just cool. seems like, all right. But yeah, it's like, all right, it's the next day. So just, I guess I'll run and train. And right. yeah, I'm, 
what was that mindset go, like going into the race? Like how, like in the prep, I know when I'm getting ready for a big race, I always have visualizations, some that might be a, a little bit too realistic or like not giving myself enough of a credit to like really put myself in the position where I need to be. But there's other times yeah. where I'm like, I'm going to win this race. I'm visualizing myself yeah. being the best possible version of this. How often would like, what, what would happen more often than not during your training runs? Was it like, I hope I'm in that top 20 or, or something like that? Or do you, were you just like, I, I just want to mix it up. Or were you like, I might go to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a lot of people like pretty credible people, like really well-known like coaches or runners or people who live in Boulder because everyone lives here who's a runner. And, you know, tell me, like, I, I really believe that you can make the team. And, like, I, I thought they were just bullshitting me. I was like, I don't know why people would ever say that, you know. Um, but, you know, so I did not rule it out. I thought, yeah, anything can happen in a race. It could be a possibility. Um, I honestly had no idea what was going to happen. Um, and I, I was just hoping to be up there and I was hoping to at least be in the top pack. And I knew I could be in the top pack. That's like what I did know. I was like, I know I can run with the top pack. I hope I'm in position when the time comes basically. Um, but you know, yeah, you do try to, you know, visualize being in that top three and, you know, it's, it's fun for probably you because you also know your competitors probably, you know, like I know those exactly like what those girls look like, how those girls run. So it's like easy to like visualize specific things. Um, but yeah, I was kind of all over the place, you know, <laughs> trying to be positive, but so right. Exactly. And like, like you said, like putting yourself in the mix and at least being that front pack, at least you could visualize that. And that happened. Right. And that was mm -hmm. what, the, how the race was going. So at least you were prepared for that moment. At least it wasn't yeah. like, Oh, maybe yeah. I'll just no matter. Cause what would have ha what would have need to have happened for you not to be in that top pack? Like if it blows apart right away, someone runs like five ten out the front or something like that and everything just gets stretched. Were yeah. you going no matter what, or were you like, was that, was there any race plan yeah. behind it? Or were you like, I'm just going with the pack, no matter what happens? <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, yeah, and that that's the fun thing about running. Like you line up and you're like, like Sarah Hall, she likes to like usually run super fast out the gate. So I'm like sitting here like, I think she might go for it because her training runs have been insane. She's very aggressive. So I was super surprised when we started jogging for like three miles. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the easiest marathon I've ever run. Um, but, but yeah, so no one went, but no, if, if someone was going to go off, I would have, I would have let them go. <laughs> yeah. But so luckily, and in a race of that magnitude, chances of that happening are so slim of someone just blowing it from the jump because the marathon is right. so long and so unknown that you can't, no matter how fit you are, you can't think that you're going to be able to outlast. So you're better off just hanging on. And like you said, running a 10 K finishing as hard as you can. Yeah. I mean, um, I think girls are probably a little bit more conservative. So if you watch the girls late race, like, yeah, it's a championship race. So like, usually that's how it is, right? You stick together and then it becomes like a race at the end. Mm -hmm. If you watch the men's race, I don't know what those guys were thinking, but they were like, 
two or three guys that, you know, names you were like, who's that guy who <laughs> were off the front? <laughs> right. And I do, I do remember thinking that exact thing, the two or three guys. And um, I was watching my girlfriend, Amy, and she's like, why would they do that? I was like, this is their one shot. Like, maybe yeah. they hang on. Like, but that's yeah. why everyone else is with them because everyone else knows that they won't. But maybe they will. Right. <laughs> so, like, there's always a couple of guys that will do that. Yeah, yeah. That was the only thing yeah. they were thinking about pre-race. Like, I'm going to go out hard and take this race down from the throat. Um, so right. what, yeah. you mentioned a couple of the mistakes. Would you care to share any of them? Like, what kind of takeaways did you have? I mean, that was – has to be such a crazy experience. And, you know, any anytime in a marathon, something different is probably going to happen. Um, you mentioned yeah. fueling, and I feel like that is a, a, like kind of an ongoing process. But um, what other kind of things happen, or what did happen with the fueling? Yeah, so I mean, this race, like there were, this was my third marathon, so I still have lessons to learn in the marathon, and I had never raced at that caliber. So you know, I came in this knowing how to race a marathon, but with a lot to learn. Um, and unluckily or luckily, um, my two first, my first two marathons went smoothly, like the most perfect they could go. My last five Ks, I think of both were like my fastest five Ks of the whole race. I never bonked. Like, you know, people say they hit the wall at 20. Um, I just like progressively got faster. I felt good. Um, I had people to run with, um, good weather, you know, like those marathons just were like easy, perfect, you know? So like, it really like didn't give me a chance to learn anything or learn like some pretty hard lessons. Um, and so, you know, the number one reason that people hit the wall at mile 20 is a glycogen depletion. Um, and then there's also like, if you go out too fast, um, I don't believe I did go out too fast. Um, I felt like we were jogging for the first 15 miles uh, and it, it, you know, it was a hilly course, but our, our times were even slow for a hilly course on the miles. So, you know, I didn't really focus during my training on my fueling. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to take this gel you know, like I took the gels every 35 minutes. I was like, these are disgusting. I don't like them. Um, but like, whatever, I'm just going to get them down and I'm just going to keep running. I can just get them down, you know, instead of like making sure I liked them, perfecting it and like realizing like that's half of the race. Like your fueling is just as important as your training. Like you could train and be in the best shape ever and not feel properly and your race is screwed. Um, so my first gel I took, I took it in and immediately like puked it back up and it was just like disgusting. I hated it. It didn't feel good. And I was like, I can't take another one of those. Um, mm. and so I didn't, <laughs> so I didn't, um, I did have scratch in my bottles and like that also tasted weird. You know, I've never had the experience of, of my fuel tasting differently. I've heard people say that before, but in this race, like scratch tasted like cough medicine. Um, I had like, I had like a gel that had green tea caffeine in it, which was just like terrible. 
Um, and so like, I really just like threw my fuel plan out the window and like was trying to get down as much as I could, but I really didn't get down enough as opposed to like, if I look at my two marathons before that, like I was eating the entire, the entire race. I was just like taking things down. I was like drinking. I had a water bottle in my hand basically the whole time. So this time, but like the second, it was like the second I got to mile 20, like the whole body and you can feel it where you're like, Oh, like, uh, there's nothing, you know, like you just run out of sugar. Um, and like at that point I had 10 K left and I was just like, okay, I need, I don't know how I'm going to finish this race, but I know I need to keep moving forward. And then at the time, like there was people that like dropped out, um, by me and, or I found out dropped out. Cause I'd like turn a corner. I'd be like, where'd she go? And I'm like, okay, just keep moving forward. And it would be like, okay, I'm in the top, um, you know, 10 fine. And then like, as I was running, I was like, you know what? Like I'd be happy with like the top 15. And then <laughs> so rationalizing so it, yeah. yeah. I was like, top 20 is great. Um, <laughs> but luckily like actually no one passed me ever or caught me. Um, so, you know, I think it's typical for runners to, to, you know, hit the wall or die. So I think a lot of people accept it. Um, I think it's not acceptable. I think there's ways to run the marathon where you shouldn't die. But um, so that, that was my huge, that was my big mistake. And that's like unforeseen, right? And like, if you went back and had to do it again, because uh, would you just have experimented with different things during training? Or I mean, you, in your previous experience, it seems like things went well, right? So you're like, all right, I got it. We're fine. Right. Like, what could you have, would you have just like been able to kind of go back and tell yourself like, just suck it up and eat this or would you have had like a like more stuff available or would you have made sure like the what you had was like what you wanted yeah i would have perfected my fueling and practice i would have like taken the time to um have just like nailed it and um for some reason or yeah i would have used different gels to be honest yeah yeah and uh how do you when you're coaching someone how do you kind of help them practice their nutrition plan because to me it's so hard right like because because it does boil down to personal preference in my opinion a lot of times because when you look at the nutrition facts of all the products they're all basically the same no matter what the marketing tells you but like they just kind of taste different and like the packaging is different and everyone has like Mm -hmm. different preferences or like and they wear different Mm -hmm. clothes so like how do you have like how do you practice or how would you have like the athletes that you coach practice like the actual fueling and training Yeah. So, I mean, usually people like already are like partial to something. Um, so they're like, usually when I get an athlete, they're like, well, I really like, um, you know, like the triathletes are like, they're either like, I really like eating food and I don't like liquids or like, I really like this brand. Um, and so I'm like, stick with them, you know, um, what's your past experience? Did it work? Did it not work? Okay. It didn't work. Okay. Let's try something else. You know, because you're right. It's all like people's stomachs react differently to everything. And so no matter how good these companies are at marketing, it's all marketing, (laughs) you know, like 
straight up marketing. So, you know, Martin or Morton is like, I don't know if you've heard of it, but mm -hmm. relatively new and like just marketing, you know, <laughs> like I tried it. I'm like, it doesn't work for me. I got a cramp. Mm. Um, so, you know, I just recommend that you try it's 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 it has to be it absolutely has to be tested and tried and that's how you have to figure out what's good for you yeah because i i agree like with, of 100 percent of the marketing and it just it, it's hard for me to answer questions when people are reciting marketing to me i'm just like oh my god i can't explain yeah. how this how, <laughs> how you've, been, you've been tricked um but i like right, them right. i like the morton i think like just like that it doesn't have a lingering taste and my stomach is strong like uh -huh. i know this about myself so like it doesn't really matter but to me it's like how i feel mm -hmm. like where like a goo mm -hmm. it has no matter what flavor, there's a zillion flavors, but no matter what flavor, there's always something residual that I know it's a goo. Like what do, so what do you yeah, like? Yeah, what, yeah. What, what do you like and why? <clears throat> oh my gosh. Um, whew. well, the problem is that, um, I'm sponsored by one company that, oh, okay. um, no, I was going to ask that too. I was like, are you sponsored by one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's, um, that's always interesting because, you know, I do like this company, uh, and I do think they make really good products. Um, but I think during a race and I use them a lot during, um, training, but I think during a race, um, it's not really for me. So, you know, my first two marathons, I used, uh, goo, um, like G U, um, yeah. worked perfectly, really liked it. Uh, would use it again. Um, I also use scratch. I really like scratch. I would use it again. Um, but yeah, I think I, I just need more experimenting and um, nailing it down. You know, another thing is like I wanted to mention, I I read a Stacey Sims book. Do you yeah. know who she is? The Roar. The Roar, which is or a great book. It's so good. Yeah. And it's so good. And I was like super passionate about it and um, really, really liked it lot of information in there. So it's like, how am I supposed to take all this information and actually apply it? Cause there's just so much coming at you. And, and so one leading up to the trials, I was like trying all these things based off of my cycle, right? Cause that's how she does things based off of your cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, women are not small men. Their hormones vary a lot based on where they are in their cycle. And so one day I did everything she said and I like, almost puked during my workout because like I was like okay I need to take the preload because it has more carbs in it and more salt in it. <laughs> and like I'm like okay well that doesn't work for me you know what I mean and so it's like I think her science is good but I also think science only goes so far you know because we're all so different yeah. And that, that's, what's really hard, especially for nutrition uh, on that. So yeah, just got another background on, on Stacey Sims. Yeah. Her book's called roar. And it, it is about that, right? Like women are not small men. And most of the studies, especially in exercise are done on men, like college aged men. And there's nothing that's really available to, to women. So yeah, like, and, and how the cycle affects our training and this and that. And like, uh, I actually used that app for a little bit, the fitter F T I R. Have you seen that? Yep. Yeah. I which is, mm -hmm. do you use it? Yeah, which is pretty cool because mm -hmm. it kind of will give you that that recommendation of what like you might feel like or what potentially uh, you, you could feel like with yeah. that. Um, but I found and that too. 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. And so it makes yeah. a ton of sense. And just to, to, to see that information be like, okay, yeah, this is interesting. This is how I feel like, okay, let me try some of these things to um, right. just be as optimal as possible. But on, on a lot of the literature, when it comes to nutrition, like the numbers that they found that work in like these studies, they're just like a lot. And the regular person, yeah. they might uh-huh. not be able to, yeah, they might not be able to eat that much. They will feel terrible when they do it or like, it's right. just not going to work across the board. So just being able to like work on those things is really, is really important. Um, yeah. Like if you watch the Africans race, I don't think they eat <laughs> like a lot of them now, but like, I don't think some of the, you know, like records maybe, you know, before Kipchoge or before recently, like, I think that those were off of maybe a couple sips of water. <laughs> They're just like the ultimate so, efficient beings are so just didn't want to yeah. waste any time. Don't need extra energy, right. like, wasted energy. They're like, I got it. Don't worry. I'll right. make it there. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And just kind of double back a little bit because like your, your story is interesting in, in the way that you went from try and then into this high end running route. Like typically it's the other way, right? Isn't it? Don't most people kind of come out and like give their hand at running and then they're like, okay, now it's going, going to try stuff. Um, so they kind of do the circuit if they stay and get to that, that point where they're at, at the trials again. So they kind of know, Everybody, like you mentioned, like, you know, who these, who these women were, what they looked like, and they kind of have taken their lumps or have been able to learn a a lot along the way. So like, what kind of things did you have to do now coming into like this level of running from a mindset perspective, just to like help you understand that you belong in like this group of runners? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still doing this kind of stuff. Um, and I'm still, you know, in the process of doing that, but I think, you know, you, you really have to put yourself out there and you have to race and you have to get experience and you have to race, (laughs) you know, like the more you race, the more, and I don't race every weekend, I don't race that much, but like the more you race in those high caliber races and the more like, you're like, okay, I beat this girl. Or like I was a second behind this girl, the more you believe in yourself, you know? Mm. So it's just like, it's just like doing it. And, you know, like there's obviously, you know, I still, I still, you know, have imposter syndrome, right. Which, I think a lot of coaches have a lot. Of, I don't know. A lot of, a lot of people have with anything and with running, I'm still like, you know, it's a little weird because I didn't, I was, didn't grow up being, you know, I was, I was good, but I didn't grow up being like the best. So um, I'm still working on it. Um, and I think, you know, you just, you have to have a positive mindset. You have to write, you know, a couple things that you did really well in that workout um, you have to make a lot of notes on, you know, and be like, look, last year I ran a two twenty eight marathon and these were my workout times this year. My workout times are faster. So, you know what, maybe I'm going to run a two twenty six. maybe I'm going to run a two twenty four. and guess what they've run. That's what they've run. So, you know, so it's, I think you have to just put yourself out there and, um, you know, once if, you know, running is like cold, hard data. So it's like, 
you kind of know. <laughs> yeah. If the, if the workouts are there, then there's no, and like the race happened, those times exist and like that, that right. should be able to work. So is journaling part of that process? Do, will you look at the data and just be able to confirm it to yourself? Uh, or is it, does it be, is it more intuitive of how you felt in that workout? Cause I'll do that sometimes like, Oh, I did this workout before. And I remember my splits then were this and this time it's this and I feel better now. Um, or yeah. is it, is it kind of both wrapped up or is there some like a set like system that you have to help kind of keep that confidence? Mm. Yeah, no, there's no self set system. Um, it's a lot of like, you know, remembering like, okay, I remember I did this like 12 weeks ago and like it went a lot better or, you know, like the, the, the workouts you do all the time, just like kind of remembering where you were at. Um, or it's, you know, I, I journal a little bit. I journal, especially if I'm like ramping up for a big marathon or a big race, I'll write more because I think it's more like I get nervous and you're, and then you like, you know, I think a natural thing to do when you get nervous is be really negative. So like, I have to work on like just keeping it positive. Um, you know, I remember leading up to the trials, I was like, I'm so slow and I'm running less miles. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my God. And then I, I compared my training log from like the last marathon. And I was like, holy crap, like I am way faster and I'm consistently running more miles, Mm. you know? So, you know, training logs are just like, like, again, like I like cold, hard facts, you know, it's like, that's where you're going to get, you know, your confidence and that's, you know, so yeah. Yeah. And I, I like the, and that's, kind of a battle I fight with some OCR type of things. Cause it was fun when you got an OCR for a little bit when it was like, Oh my God, this is going to get this like <laughs> this new OCR competitor. And I didn't know what your marathon time was when I first uh, like met you and saw you in obstacle course racing. And I was like, it's what? Like she's not going to be doing OCR with us. Like she's, she's got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. She's, she's got to go after this, but having like repeatable workouts is something that is like hard for people in OCR to Cause they want, cause there's so much different stuff and they want to do different fun, weird things. But like having that repeatable workout, like, okay, I do a workout where it's 10 by thousand and you know how it goes and then you do it again in six yeah. weeks and then there mm-hmm. it is. So is that, that, is that pretty classic in the things that you'll do? Like, do you have go-to workouts that you like to r- return to, or is it just kind of whatever you're preparing for and then having it set along the way? Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely go-to workouts, um, that I, and they're basically workouts that like, I'm like, I know this has worked in the past. I've had success with it. And so like in the next cycle, it happens again, you know, like what, what I do and my dad coaches me, but we can, we kind of like talk about it and what we kind of do is like, well, for the last three marathons, like it's been basically the same training plan. And then we tweak a couple things. You know, if I'm like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I think that I need more of this or like trying this or like, you know, depending on like what my lead up races are, like it's a hilly one or, you know, I'm really going to need more foot speed or, um, whatever it is. But basically my three cycles of marathons were the same because they were all, I had a great marathon, you know? So it's like, why change it if it's not broken? Exactly. Yeah. And you just adjust the pacing based on your fitness and Mm -hmm. ideally keep making progress. 
And you right. know, there's, a, there's a couple camps when it comes to, you know, the different types of, of runner that you might be, you know, if you want to break it down to like fast twitch or slow twitch or what kind of workouts mm-hmm. um, you respond best to. Do you really prescribe to that or do you feel like you need to have more of like a well-rounded approach to, to running? Or do you know like, oh, I, if I do three-minute hills, it's a big hill, but you're in Boulder. So if we do three-minute hills, like, will that, I do well with something. Yeah, I know. I was like, I don't think I have that. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, is it, is it like along those lines or like, I know when, if I do this workout, it makes me super fit. Or do you try to like make every, all, like every type of fitness kind of fit into what what you got going for a training plan? Yeah. So like, I know that I'm a really strong threshold runner. Mm. Like I can hold my threshold for a long time. My long runs are like, you know, great. I've got great long runs. Um, so like you tap into those, but I know I need to work on my speed. Um, and so like, I've been really working on that. So usually what I do is, so start off a training cycle with speed work. Cause I'm like, I need to work on this. Um, it's not as, um, race specific for me. So it's like, we will, we kind of transition in that race into that race specific after my speed cycle. Um, just so I can like basically build off that speed that I need. Um, and then it transitions more into like thresholds, race specific, long run focused, um, and, and so that's how I do it, but there's, you know, there's many ways to skin the cat. And sometimes I, you know, like if, if you're a middle distance runner, I usually do it opposite. I usually like, okay, let's focus on like some longer stuff, some threshold stuff that like you are not strong at because we know you're fast. And then let's like go into your speed and get you ready for your specific race. Um, and then I'll throw in some, you know, longer stuff along the way. So you don't lose that, but so that's what I normally do. Yeah. And that, that makes sense. And making sure that you're not just doing, cause it, for you, if you're like, I crush threshold, I'll do threshold this entire time and feel good about every workout that I do. Like that's easy mm-hmm. for people to kind of fall into. Right. It's like, well, I know mm-hmm. I like eight hundreds. I'll just keep doing eight hundreds. Um, right. <laughs> so are, are, is there a part of your training that like you don't really look forward to or, or is there, or, or do you kind of understand that process and appreciate it along the way? Or is there stuff that you're just like, I just don't want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, like luckily, like I like it. Like I can honestly say like, I like it all. Like I love, I love speed work, even though like I'm not m- maybe the fastest, but like I could do 200s. I could do 400s all day and like be super like excited and happy about doing them. Um, and then thresholds, like, you know, I, in long runs, like they're kind of my jam. So like, I'm like, yeah, I got this, you know? So, um, you know, luckily, like, I think why I'm like that is because everything's like written very appropriately, appropriately for me. And I, and I go into every workout, you know, knowing, you know, with like, it's appropriate. It's not like too hard you know, so I think that really makes a difference as to where, why I like really like all my workouts. Right. Cause you know, you can hit them and when uh, hitting a workout right. makes a workout much more enjoyable. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not yeah. Really. Like the workouts where you're like, Whoa, I, 
you know, and I rarely will walk away from a workout being like, I didn't hit my times or like, I really sucked or like, I just, I rarely do. And I think it's because I, I like, even if I feel terrible coming into a workout, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start easier. And I almost always end where I'm supposed to end. Hmm. And do you starting easy. And do you think that is uh, like being able to work out well, essentially, do you think that is a, a skill or something you've worked on? Or do you think that's a byproduct of appropriate planning and coaching? I think it's both for mm. sure. I think it is. I mean, I get athletes all the time, new athletes who are like, wait, there's a thing called pacing. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, there's a thing. Called-. And literally they're like, I thought you were just supposed to go hard all the time. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, not at all. <laughs> very, very infrequently you go hard. <laughs> In right. fact, it's the opposite. So um, I think, and like, I have to program my athletes to start easy or to go easier. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a, a skill, um, a, a, you know, and I think it's, also a byproduct of a coach slowing you down. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just being able, being able to work at that because yeah, pacing isn't, in, is not intuitive. Even with all the, the technology we have available to ourselves, that you still won't do a good job of knowing where your yeah. threshold is. Even if you're looking at exactly at your exact pace oh, and your heart yeah. rate, and it, it still won't no. go well for a no. long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so right. just, just kind of, kind of keep plugging at it. Um, another thing that I I wanted to ask you about was, you know, it seems that most runners understand that there is like at least a perceived need to do strength training. And that seems to be something that you've, you've bought into, um, had your, had, uh, Dil Miragli on the show before, who I know you worked with in, in, in terms of strength training and everything. So, um, how would you, like, when did you start to adopt strength training into your, your programming? Was that something that you had done since the collegiate ranks or through try or like, when did that, when did you start to know that you needed to do that? Um, you know, I think I got, I got really lucky and my dad has been a running coach for my whole life. Um, hasn't been my running coach until post collegially. Um, but he always believed in strength training. Mm. Um, and so like I would be out in the garage with him as like a middle schooler. Um, cause I was really into basketball again and you know, we'd be, do- I'd be doing light work, but we'd be like, you know, he'd be like, all right, lat rows, you know, I'd, I'd be like, okay. And, you know, and we'd just be doing basic strength training in the garage. Um, not, not anything heavy. Um, and so like, I, I think I've always gravitated towards it because I am like, you know, more, I would say athletic than, uh, other runners, whereas they're just like, you know, good runners. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, <I> gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah. and then, I don't know. I think I've always done it. We did it in college. You know, I think like the football coach was our strength coach and he didn't care about us and was like, just do these things like bench press and da da da. And, you know, <laughs> nice. not, not like stuff I do now or I would ever prescribe now, but um, I, I would say post collegiate, I got into it. Um, 
and and I think I just like really realized that it helped me. Um, I enjoyed it, and um, yeah, yeah. And I, I found that with strength training, once you put it into your your program, because the pushback a lot is like, oh, I don't have time, but right, it's like right. okay, it's like, or I'd rather run. Like running is gonna do more for me and like, right. yes, to get fast, you need to run. But if you don't, right. if you give strength training a chance and then you get to feel how you feel running at, mm-hmm. while you're doing strength training, then I think you'll yeah. find a place for strength training um, just because you like the way running feels better. Um, right. so, but, and, you and, and you can run consistently. Like, yeah, like, and, and you're, you're helping yourself run and, and be consistent and stay healthy and feel better. And um, some of the things that I see use it, I, I don't use too much in my own is uh, the use of plyos um, mm-hmm. is so are you using plyos often? Like how does that work in, in your training? Is that like the, bulk of your strength training or are you mixing up a bunch of different things? Um, no, I'm mixing up a bunch of different things. It's, I wouldn't say it's the bulk of it. I'd say I do, I do plyos. Well, I was doing a, now I do them twice a week, but I was doing before the trials, I was doing three days a week. I was doing two plyos kind of mixed in with my strength training. Mm. Um, and that's, that's just like, kind of like a method, like where you'll do, like, I'll do like, you know, a heavy squat, recruit all the muscles. Um, and then you use that to like gain power and kind of, you're able to like really use that power to whatever, um, go high or go far. Um, and so that's kind of like how we were using it. And then I did one session of hill plyos. So that was like, you know, we use like a 35 meter hill and we just bounded up them, single leg hmm. hopped up them, um, broad jumped up them, um, walked back down. So, you know, I think, I think there's a different right now. I'm not doing plyos with my strength training. I'm doing them separately. Um, which I think is also fine. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to do it and it's what works. It's what works with your time schedule and, and like kind of like what you like to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and they make sense and being able to, to be able to recruit that much and then put it into practice. And it's a whole coordination and stability thing as well. And with like the Mm -hmm. bounding, would you do the bounding as part of like, would it be separate from a run or would you run to a place and then do that and have it be, in the middle of your run or is it mm-hmm. st- still its own strength thing? I think, um, best case scenario, you, you like have, you, you don't do it in a run because you, you kind of want to be like pretty, um, recovered for, mm-hmm. for, for any plyos. So I would do maybe like, you know, we do like a five minute jog just to like warm up, do some dynamic stretches, always, always do some dynamic stretches, always do a couple drills and then we'd get into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes sense because yeah, if you ran some place, cause plyos and power production is about, you know, max effort. And if you run right. someplace for 30 minutes, you're going to fatigue those muscles and not be able to get the most power out of them. So that, that right. makes, that makes total sense to have it in there. And has that just been consistent? Yeah. So you always try to have that worked in, is that like a non-negotiable or as, or did you kind of start dropping things as it got closer to race day? Or does it just stay consistent throughout? It was pretty consistent throughout. Um, you know, I 
there was a couple things that like I really fully believe that helped me a lot in my marathons and and one of those was plyos um, and one of those was strength and obviously then there's the running um, and like those you know you just feel you're you're just like way more efficient um, your coordination is better your your body knows when to turn on turn off muscles um, it's just like a feeling like you said like if if someone gave it a try for like you know a solid six weeks, you can tell a difference. Um, so I, I tried not to miss a day of plyos. Um, I stopped doing plyos about, you know, they did taper off, um, like the last month and the last two weeks, like I would do probably like one third of the amount of plyos that I was doing. And were you cool with that? Cause I know that like that, like taper brain, you're like, Ah, do I still got to keep doing these, these plyos? Like, am I going to be okay without doing them? Or did just like the whole process kind of, cause you taper off everything, but I know how the, right. that brain works. It's hard. Yeah. The taper is the hardest part for sure. And the people who are good at tapering will be successful. But if you look back and see, look at the trials and see the people who didn't taper very well, you'll be like, um, you didn't race very well because yeah. you could not handle the taper. <laughs> I know. And that's like part of the um, whole process of, of doing that. Like, how, did you, do you just buy right in? Or have you always been good at tapering? Because, um, I know in my own struggles, like more, I, I don't have a problem physically doing it, but just like yeah. mentally handling like, and like, I'm just like less happy <laughs> in like those two weeks totally. leading up, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and you feel terrible and you feel depressed and you're nervous and <laughs> you know, all the work's done. There's nothing else you could do. You're like, Oh my right. God, I'm not ready. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm still not the best at tapering. Um, but, um, but I do it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not exactly. Fun. Not fun. Um, yeah. So now like be, having, uh, some, some time to reflect on it and, you know, thinking about, and still training and, and needing to, and just kind of like looking at like the whole package of everything. And like, you know, you already do quite a bit and, you know, plows and strength and like with your background, you coach, so you know a lot. Um, what, what kind of things do you need to do? You think that is going to take you to that next level? Like, what do you think you're going to have to work on? Yeah. You know, I think about that a lot. Like, okay, there are, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, but like, I would like, I want to be at that next level and I want to go to the Olympics in 2024. Like, that's my goal. And I'm like, what does it take? And, um, there, there's, you know, I think I need to recovery is huge. And I think the girls that are like highly sponsored have a huge benefit because they get to work out and then they get to recover all day. You know, like I work out and then I coach and then I work and then I'm on the computer doing work stuff. And then, you know, so I think I think one of the big things I need to do is take a risk um, because I, I'm actually in a position where I can. I'm very lucky and start saying no to clients, to one on one training, to um, things I want to do to uh, traveling, to going to the movies at night, to, mm. you know, all these things that are teeny little things that 
I think will help me. And I just need to tell myself like, it's okay. Like I surround myself with, with a lot of people who aren't competitive athletes, you know, they don't understand, or they almost give me shit for, you know, being too, for caring so much. Yeah. For caring a lot. You know, it's hard to tell people like, I don't want to go out to dinner tonight because like, a, I want to eat healthy and B, I want to be in bed at nine. Um, so I think my biggest thing, and if you ask like my friends, like if you ask Nicole miracle, she'll be like, you're the, the, my biggest fault is not being able to say no. Um, and I think like I'm getting a little bit better and better at it. And I think once I can nail that and, um, kind of sacrifice other things, then I, I think that will help. Yeah. And, and I empathize with that quite a bit because in, in, in my own struggles, I took the same thing, right? It's like, I like needing to not go out to eat or needing to not have like drinks or something like that. That's where like my balances gets out of whack too. Or like mm-hmm. where, like you said, like the, the energy we have is finite, you know, like, and, and if those other things take away from it or does not replenish the energy that you're spending, right. like ultimately it's going to be, be hurting you. So like when you think of that and, and this is something that I, I do the same thing with like, like okay, I, I, if I can buckle down, like I know I can make tremendous gains, but then I'm like, well, how long, like how long is that sustainable for like my life? Right. You know? Yeah. So what do you, what do yeah. you think? Like, is it like, okay, the Olympics are in four years. So four years of just clean. Or is it like when I have like six months of leading into like big races or like, how does that work? Or is it, is it just about right. changing your whole life and being like, okay, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to say no a lot. And this is just what my life is going to be like for the next couple of years. Right. Yeah. That's a good question. And I think, you know, for me, cause I, again, everyone's different in what motivates them or what they like. I think for me, it's like, you know, I always need to have like a month, a year of like, just like chilling out, being able to relax, you know, like drink a couple glasses of wine, travel, um, but then like, you know, during your lead up, just like hunker down and make sure that you've set yourself up exactly how you want to for that race. Mm. So I think for me, just like training, it's going to go in cycle. Yeah. And that, that's probably the more sustainable way to do it. And just making sure that it, it is more like systemized and just planned out. Right. It's just more planning, right. but like, right. That, that might just be how it does. Well, that, well, that's cool. And that, that, that makes sense. And at least the way I look at it for my own self, it's like, if I can at least do these things that I think might be taking away, if I can just do it and my results don't change, at least I know, you know, right. like that's right, better. Right. <laughs> like if right. they don't change, that's great. I'll just go back. Right. to the way <laughs> exactly. yeah. But you, you know, that's another thing. Like you need to go into these races, like confident because you know, you did everything. Yeah. So, I mean, it, that's it, it, right. And that's just like a message for people out there. Cause there's everyone has their own thing, you know? And like, when you get to the starting line and like you, or when you finish and your race results, weren't what you had hoped. like, there is that thing that's there that, you know, right. you mm-hmm. have put off, whether that's strength training, right. whether that's nutrition, whether it's, you know, staying out late, whatever it is, like, you know, it's there. So like try taking care of it. Right. right. <laughs> or you're just going to be mad at yourself or, yeah. There's just potential that's, that's left out on the table. Um, and do, right. do you think about that ever? Like, do you think about if like you did not 
do the the try route for a while or did that was that something that you needed to step away from just running or to to scratch an itch or um like do you think about like what you could have done if you had like two or three other olympic trial cycles under your belt um recently i have been thinking about that but no i think i think the triathlon helped me i think it like I mean, the volume I was doing then was like, I just think it like really helped my endurance. I think it um, prepared me for like the training I needed to do for triathlon. I think it saved my legs a little bit. Um, And then, so I'm happy I did it. And I think overall it's going to be, it benefited me. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, because you can just do so much. You just get to do mm-hmm. so much aerobic work. Do you still kind of do any of that of those things? Do you incorporate biking or swimming for the sake of volume? I do. Um, so I I don't want to say I never do doubles. I never do doubles, but I I rarely do double runs. Um, but I almost always have at least two or three workouts a day, and um, so I, I I swim twice a week, and I and I bike. I've tr- once or twice a week. Nice. nice yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. And just like I said, to save the legs a little bit more. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, I want to take, take up your whole day. I know you got some stuff going on. So yeah, it's real quick. Like, what are you thinking as far as your goals for, I mean, you established them for the next four years. Like, what are you thinking for the next, I don't know. It's hard to say for the next year, maybe yeah, for the next like yeah. 12 months, like what are some things that you wanted to uh, kind of go after? So, um, I'm, so the, so now the world championships, um, you know, I'd love to make the world championship team, Mm. um, in 2021. We'll see. I I have no idea what's going to happen, but (laughs) if it happens, I would like to make that team. Um, and that's more of like an application process. It's not like, you know, a trials to get into it. It's like you apply, you tell them your times, you give them your resume and they make that decision. Um, but I'd love to, I'd love to run there. Um, I'll probably either do that or try for the 10 K trials next July. Um, and so right now I'm training for a 5 K. I'm just trying to like work on my speed because like I, I need to get my 5 K down. Um, and I think that'll like very well translate up to my marathon, Um, so I'd like to run some fast, shorter distance times. So that's like what I'm focusing on. And then hopefully there'll be a marathon at some time in the future. Yeah. Do you have anything like, like eyed up? Like, cause I'm doing the same thing. Cause you know, I trained for the OCR season and I don't think any of that's going to happen. So I've like, kind of like been looking around for like some little races. Like, is there like a marathon Mm -hmm. with like 200 people in it that might happen? (laughs) Do you have anything like that? Or are you just kind of like, if there's not going to be good competition, I'm not even going to bother. So there's a track race, um, the Music Distance Carnival in Tennessee, August 15th, and it's it's an elite race. And so right now I'm planning on running the 5K there. I have not bought my ticket yeah. <laughs> or made arrangements because I don't I don't know if it's if it's going to be canceled or not. But so that's the only race I have now. That's yeah. 5K on a track. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. When I was last time like, you did that? Oh, college. Yeah. <laughs> I Do you put have on spikes? Yeah. I, put on, I bought them last week. Nice. <laughs> and I put them on and I was like, ooh, <laughs> I don't think so. Are you going to wear them or no? No. 
Yeah, I can't imagine. I'm like, I would be scared to even train in them. I would be scared oh, to run yeah. at like, like run like a mile at normal, like easy pace in them. Oh, I did two of my 200s. I had like 12 200s that day. I did two of them. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that I had plantar fasciitis. So <laughs> <laughs> this remind that will remind you real yeah. quick. Like- yeah. I was like, wait, no, 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 no. And, and like regretted I wore them immediately and i'm just gonna wear my four percents for the 5k nice yeah well do those help for a 5k or are they just whatever i think they do nice um i think it's different for everyone based on your foot strike Mm -hmm. um and based on how you feel like i am really confident in four percents and um i would wear them for a 5k i don't think a lot of people would Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah, because I want to. I might kick around that idea. Because if I'm going to be on the roads more, I was like, maybe I should get a pair. Because there's no place for them in OCR, and I wish there were. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. like, what, what will we do? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's another reason why I should. I should just do a, a marathon and just so I can get the four percent and see how cool they are. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're not as expensive because now they have like two versions down the line. You know, like they have the alpha. They have the next percent and the alpha fly. So I think the four percent you can find pretty cheap now. I saw someone wearing them like that for like fashion, like the newer ones. No way. Yeah. Like the alpha fly. <laughs> They're like these pink shoes. She had like, like a cute outfit on. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, wasn't a runner. I didn't ask. I want, I, I didn't, she wasn't an elite runner. She may be on. Yeah, but like, yeah. I was like, what? I, I, I almost wanted to ask her like, why are you wearing those? You're like, I to dinner. <laughs> it was crazy. That's um, awesome. I love that. Will you get the the new ones that are so crazy looking? So, that's a funny question. Um, so at the trials, there was rumors of this, but when you and, but there was only rumors. And when you got there, people were like, you know, you get there like a couple of days before, and people were like, oh, did you pick up your free alpha flies? And you're like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, you have to go like in that building downstairs and then get your alpha flies. And you're like, okay. And so this is literally the day before the marathon. Everyone got a free pair of alpha flies who ran it. Everyone. So there was like what, 800 or 900 people. Yeah. And so Nike had this like, this like little booth in a weird building, no signage. And you just go and you're like, Hey, is there free alpha flies here? <laughs> they're like, yeah, go in the back room and you do to try on whatever size you want. And, um, and so everyone at the trials had a decision to make, to wear a pair of shoes they've never run in before, but they're alpha flies or to wear their, whatever shoes they're wearing. And I don't know, I would like to know the percentage. I don't know what percent chose to wear the alpha flies. I did. You did, you did wear them? You're like, Hell yeah. I did. I was like, wait. my dad was like, don't do it. And I was like, I'm doing it. <laughs> it's like, all due respect, these are on my feet. I know how they feel. This is going to be great. Yeah. That's so, wild. Um, so, yeah, it was it was actually pretty funny. I think a lot of the girls didn't. Um, I would probably maybe say 50% of people were wearing the alpha flies. Okay. 
that that's yeah. pretty I mean, that's so nike nike like did that guerrilla marketing thing forever that's like such good way to like get them on yeah. feet that's oh, so smart yeah. um oh my God. yeah and like yeah i was debating with some friends because it's funny like how the divide of this happens and uh, like i said we'll wrap up here in a second but now I'm, I'm on this thing the uh yeah. um a friend like this divide kind of happened between the people who are pro and anti and the people who are anti the like four percent they don't run oh, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they don't run anymore. Right. So they think that they shouldn't be legal. But the people who do run still right. are right. like, no, I'm going to give them, I'm going to wear them. Um, or but, the people who are sponsored by other companies are like, this is BS. And the people who are like, nah, like, I'm like, I'm going to wear them. <laughs> that, that's kind of what my question would be. So for someone like you, where, and I don't know if this will get you in trouble with anybody or down the road or whatever, but like no. if you had the option, like say you were sponsored by any like mid-major footwear brand and like mm-hmm. you, again, you came to the trials, like top, top 10 projected, like people believe that you could get there and like you would be dropped by the footwear company if you didn't wear their shoes, but like you had a better chance yeah. of making the trials with the Nikes. Like, what do you think? Like there, cause there had to be women that face that. I mean, Des got fourth wearing the, like with those Brooks, whatever, like, yeah. What, what, what do you think the general feeling is for that? What people would do. And, and so that's a huge thing with sponsorships. Now it's like, for me, I'm like $30,000, not worth it. I'm going to wear Nikes because mm. Nike has the fastest shoe right now. And, and like, it, it would take more than, it would take a lot of money to, to, bring me out of Nikes. Um, and, and I think I can run myself to a good amount of money in the Nikes, <laughs> but I was sponsored by Brooks. Oh, um, you were? I was, I mean, it was a small sponsorship. They were giving me, um, you know, some bonuses, uh, apparel shoes, um, a couple perks. Um, but I, I had to drop them cause I was like, I, I cannot, I cannot tow the the line without Nikes on. I can't do it. Yeah. Um, and they were and like, so I think. And, and I, I follow Brooks. I used to work for Brooks. So I like know the uh-huh. company real well and like the product. And they were, they were giving out that, that prototype of whatever they were wearing. Right. Yep. But mm-hmm. from what yep. I understand, from what I've read of the reviews, they are not the same. Um, nope. So. <laughs> nope. Man. Yeah. And I tried and then I was just like, nope. And so. Um, I think other, you know, I don't know if other companies will, uh, will like get there, but I think they'll get closer at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think, you know, like who won the trials? Hoka won the trials. Um, and then it was Saucony and then it was the third place female was wearing Nikes, the mm-hmm. alpha flies. But it's like, you know, the girl who won, I was like, she's a lot faster than me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It didn't matter what she was wearing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that, that is really interesting. Um, but yeah. Cool. All right. Well, for those who want to get, give you a follow, uh, or reach out, where can people find you on social media or website or, or wherever is best? Um, the best place is Instagram. I think I use that the most, which is, I think it's just Nell Rojas running. And then my website is Rojas running and yeah. Cool. I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes so people can, can find you pretty easily. Um, cool. cool. I'm, I'm going to press stop here. We'll stay on here for a little bit just, um, but yeah, we're just signing off. So uh, now I appreciate you popping on a great conversation and we'll see you soon. Yeah. Thank you.